Welcome everyone to the MMOs.com podcast. This is episode 58 now, and this is Altai, joined this week by... Omerit. Gumble. Matt. We are all here, minus Shirelia, who will be joining so us not for all here. sure next week. For surezies. So we're not all here. Okay, but we're all... I clearly said we're all here except Shirelia. So, yeah. so, so then we're not, all, we're not all here. You know what? Anyway... <laughs> let's just let's just start off strong. We're gonna go right into the weekly raid, right? All right, we're good. So uh, for anyone who loves Steam, and I imagine most people in here do, uh, Steam is having another sale. They're just handing out discounts left and right. And so I'm asking, why do we collect Steam games? Because I don't know about you guys, but every time there's a sale, I buy a whole bunch of shit that I never play. I love that you call I, it shit because it's so it's true. true. It's so true. And you know what? Actually, that's that's not fair because there are a lot of games and they all have very positive ratings. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. And I mm-hmm. buy it. And then I get the smug satisfaction of having plastered the game in my library and I never play it. So I feel, I believe that, you know, I'm not alone, that there's plenty of us out there. And the first step is admitting we have a problem. So I'm just curious, you know, what? Why are we collecting these Steam games? What, what disease afflicts us? Or maybe I'm alone, so... No, you are you... definitely not alone, and it is most certainly a disease. It's the same, like, draw, inner drive that we have in games to do every single quest. Because we did that in Guild Wars too. I know Altai and I, like, we wouldn't leave the zone until we explored every inch and got the full completionist thing. It's the reason we went for every Pokemon and, you know, to collect all 150. Like, I don't know. There's, like, a, there's a completionist mentality, and it feels like... It feels like a good deal, even though you're not going to play the games. You know when you are, you've done too much, or you bought too much. When there's a new sale and you go down the list, and like half the games are already on your library, and and you don't and you never played them, like you're like wow. <laughs> okay, you want to hear a really bad a bad part? Uh, so in this sale, I was browsing and I saw a game. And I went, oh, this game looks pretty interesting. And then I went to go buy it, and I found out I already owned. Yep, exactly. The game. Oh. So yeah, really got to stop that. Matt, are you not? Are you not in the same boat? I don't intentionally buy any of these with the I like I buy everything I buy knowing that I want to play it and not like sort of want to play it. I really want to play the games that I buy. So I can't say that I'm in the same boat. Okay, but, but the question but we're not saying that. But do you play them? Sometimes no. Sometimes Wait. whatever I was playing first takes like a month or two and I lose interest in the other one. You know there's... Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, I was going to say, there's a few uh, MMOs on sale this this time around. Uh, Battleborn is now 30 bucks. so if you guys paid 60 for it like a month ago, <laughs> whenever it came out, you got screwed. It sucks to suck. It's going to go free to play, just wait. <laughs> and uh, Elder Scrolls Online is now 20 bucks, so it's buy to play as well. It's a pretty so good you, deal. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's been cheaper. Really? I feel like uh, with, with uh, Elder Scrolls Online, it's, it's kind of an oddball because... Like if you pay if you pay retail for it, you're doing it wrong, right? Because it's one of those games that always, always shows sells. up on sale on various websites. So don't pay retail for that one. Always hold out for thought, sale. Uh, Elder Scrolls, I think I got the Imperial Edition for like fourteen. Wow, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's that's yeah. half what it is now. It's thirty right now. Imperial. Final Fantasy Fifteen's on there for sale too, isn't it? Fourteen. Fourteen. Fifteen is not. Fifteen is not out yet. Is the RP- I got you. Also, yeah, Grim Dawn is on sale, and uh, while I have not played that game, it has gotten quite a bit of praise. And yeah. maybe it doesn't qualify as an MMO, but it does look pretty great. So I do recommend checking it out at least. All right. Is Make... it just a Path of Exile clone? No. I think it's supposed okay. to be inspired by Diablo 2. No. Just... Okay, okay, go ahead. 
I use the word clone very loosely. I'm not. I'm not trying to accuse. Do you guys know Titan Quest? Yeah. They took the engine from that. They're the uh, some of the people working on Grim Dawn were the same people that work on worked on Titan Quest. They took the same engine and they made a new game with it. Isn't that game like super old? Titan Quest. It's like 2005, I think. That's pretty old. That is yeah, pretty old. I mean, they yeah. updated the engine, obviously. If you say so. Oh, and one more question: What have you guys bought this this year so far? Uh, I guess I'll start off Undertale, and. Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time. Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time is awesome. Mm -hmm. That sounds interesting. That does sound interesting. I'm looking that one up. All right, I'll, I'll put the video on as we talk. And what did you guys buy? Any uh, Anything interesting? <laughs> At all? Anything? Uh, I actually I did not... Version of... Oh, we, we talked over each other. But anyway, I'm gonna, yeah. I'll say it real quick. I didn't buy anything, because like I said before, I actually, every game I want, I already own. And I felt pretty guilty about buying anything but I, you know what to be honest on july 3rd i'm probably gonna end up buying grim dawn that's about it yeah grim dawn looks interesting i think it's worth checking out i haven't bought anything yet either but i probably i, I plan on buying that if i didn't already have final fantasy 15, uh, 14 i would have bought that but i already have it i already got it all right man take it away i bought the pc version of final fantasy 14 to give it another shot after the ps3 version did not work at all but the ps4 version is fine we had that one too cat used mm -hmm. that it works fine, but uh, the PS3 version sucks, so I bought the PC version so that I could play that. And I never got the expansion, so it was cheap. And I bought Golf with Friends, which is fucking hysterical. Golf with <laughs> Friends? Is it like mini golf? It's mini golf, and you can, like, you play on some of the craziest courses I've seen in a, like, strict mini golf thing. Like, vertiginous, vertiginous I think, golf is um, a lot more insane, but it's, like, absurdly difficult. But golf with friends, you can change your ball into like a cube or an egg or like a tetrahedron and stuff like that. And oh, this you can looks make it like insane. Cool. Oh, I missed one game I bought Skullgirls. And I bought a four pack, so we will play that eventually with the crew here. <laughs> Never. Wow. It's a fighting game. You guys like waifu fighters? Skullgirls reminds me of Sword Girls, which was that, that, that collectible card game anime waifu girl game from uh, a Chinese company. I know Shu ended up spending a lot of money on that. <laughs> the waifus always get Shu, right? The waifus, yeah, of course. She can't control herself from the waifus. Alright, well, forget what we bought. What have, we been, what have you guys been playing this week? Let's get a quick, quick recap. Well, we've well, all played Wildstar on Sunday Funday. We did. And uh, I, I was very impressed. I think we all were. We all had a big, uh, big 180 uh, when we did the dungeon, because... It kind of reminded us all of the old days, the good old days when we got to actually think. So mm -hmm. uh, let me let me hear from Sean here. He he had the biggest one. He actually pointed out how much he uh, swung in favor. He did because you know why? And I think this. I think other people uh, had the same opinion. When I first played Wildstar, the aesthetic, like the goofy Disney-esque sci-fi thing, turned me off. And then you know I tried questing. I felt very overwhelmed, and there's there's a lot of information thrown at you at once. The UI was kind of eh. Then we got in this dungeon, and I really wasn't looking forward to playing the game. And when we died on a non-moving, non-attacking tutorial boss, and had to shout out our interrupts, I was so impressed. And also, you know, even the tutorial dungeon, when we finally beat the whole thing, it was that sense of satisfaction I remembered getting when working together in, you know, older MMORPGs. So it, it was a total eye-opener, and um, Wildstar's actually releasing 1 to 50 character boosters 
uh, that you can purchase. And I, mean, I actually thought about it because I don't want to grind. I just want to do these really? missions all day. Yeah, I don't want to have to grind. I hear I hear you can grind in eight about eight hours if you know what you're doing. But if that's not the case, I might just buy the booster just to just just to play the dungeon. And I'll even play the old dungeons because you get uh, leveled down. Because uh, that's the really that's the shining example. If you like dungeon rating, Wildstar, fantastic. So. Yeah, it really fair. was. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, if you look at other games in the market and games we've played recently, and we've talked about this a lot, like especially Korean games, you really don't get that kind of experience where you're actively dodging and you have to have a proper rotation between uh, players in the party. Um, normally, we went in trying to tank and spank, and and we got we got our asses kicked. Well, so. we we went in trying to swarm. Where no, none of yeah, us, yeah. <laughs> none of we us were doing guns are blazing. So yeah, uh, yeah I. I give it a big thumbs up, and um, it just goes to show uh, that Korean investment company that predicted Wildstar would fail. I think they're wrong now. I mean, I hope really? they're wrong. I, I I'm cheering for Wildstar now. Basically, I'm cheering for them too. But the numbers in Korea, uh, the, the the numbers haven't turned around that much. The no, Steam, they haven't. You're the, correct. The, the, the Steam boost is good though. I think you know we'll see where it goes from there. The problem right. was before the Steam thing even happened, they 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 had to, they did some layoffs. They let people go. Yeah. It was already on a downward trajectory. It's still possible to be saved, right? But it's unfortunate that it was already on a downhill before the Steam launch happened. I think if they launched the Steam launch earlier, it could have, you know, kept development going a little bit better. Right. But Wildstar Socrates just said it in chat. It's that feeling you when you actually have to pay attention in an MMO. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, you're just dodging red circles and stuff, but it made it so much more engaging uh, to feel like you were actually in a dynamic fight. I mean, dynamic's not the right word, but in a fight where you could actually die. Yeah. Omar, your your overall, I I enjoyed it a lot too. I mean, we share the same opinion generally. It just I just found it remarkable how much Korean MMORPGs have almost like dumbed us down, in terms of expectations on boss fights. Like from the get go, Wildstar doesn't like f around. You know, I mean, uh, clearly that dungeon been easier when we had a full party, right? Obviously. That's true. But still, it was our initial reaction was so amazing. I, I thought it was pretty hilarious because. Our initial reaction was, okay, we're not going to bother having a healer. We're not going to bother having a tank. We're just going to run and do our own shit, right? It didn't work. Okay, you, no. you needed a healer. You needed to, you know, pay attention. And I'm, I'm not used to having to pay attention. I'm not used to a game challenging me to actually pay attention. And the remarkable thing is, none of, like, I think only one, only I had my skills picked, right, from my uh, amps. Because nobody else realized you didn't have to do it. There was no reason to put amps while grinding because it was easy. But when you got to the boss... All of a sudden, I think Matt had it too. All of a sudden, we're like, "All right, let's actually look at our skills because we're having issues." Uh, yeah, I think I think um, it's Sean. It's interesting that you mentioned that you you were actually thought about the level fifty because when I saw that, I was like, I kind of thought that was kind of cheesy and like a milk like a uh, money grab. But you are right that there's such a big contrast between the grinding aspect and the dungeon. Yes. Like the grinding it's is. Like two different yeah, it just it just seems so mindless. You're in this big world with you know there's not much going on. You can solo it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. And I've read on the forums that people do say the the leveling is like the worst part. Right. So that's I don't know. I I don't know. That, I guess I guess that makes sense. And we'll see. We'll see if it does well. Man, my guess know. my guess is the game will be spun off away from NC Soft. NC Soft will divest. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll be independent. Maybe someone else will pick it up and keep it going. That's my guess. My opinions are much higher of it now. I can say that much. Mm -hmm. I know afterwards, uh, after the Sunday Funny video, Matt was like, that's the greatest thing I've done. We've done it all week. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we, we had a blast with it. So, Matt, you played a little more afterwards, didn't you? You streamed a little yeah. bit? He just caught up yeah. with us at 15. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I did another expedition today that was too easy. <laughs> and remember, we're going to be getting to level 20 eventually. Maybe this week, maybe sometime soon. And we're going to do the next dungeon. I guess we'll we'll stream that on a random day. All right. Well, I know, I know. You know, this is also kind of a topic what we played this week. I want to talk a little about Master X Master because I played that a little bit this week for my first video. Oh, how was that? Plus, I played a, play a little bit afterwards. It's actually a really interesting game. Let me go and look at the video first so you can show it. But it's for those that are not aware, it's NCSoft's take on a MOBA. And honestly, like we we always kind of poke fun, and, I, and we talked about this a lot in the past that Korean games are not innovative the same way Western games are. And I think. I think I think Master X Master kind of shatters that idea, at least in this one specific instance, because think it's a MOBA like League or Dota, Hots, right? But you get two heroes, which you can tag team between them. Every ten seconds, you can you can switch between them, and they have their own health bars. If one of them dies, it counts as a death. So there's plus it lets you chain your combos because you do a couple of abilities on one guy, swap to the next guy. When you get weak, you gotta you know disengage and switch. You can even switch mid mid combos. It's, it's actually really incredible. But uh, what makes it even cooler is just how many different, how many ways there are to play that game. So not only do you have two heroes, right? And I actually realized some of this earlier, uh, like yesterday when I played, because I didn't even realize some of this stuff when I did my first look video, because those first look videos are generally like my first time playing. So besides that, there's actually three weapons as well. So between every every character has three weapons, and you can choose between one weapon or you know or the other ones. So not only are you mixing and matching two different heroes out of a pool of 30 in the alpha, but you also get to choose a weapon, which makes the customization even more insane. But that's not all, folks. We got more. And you also, there's like four skills, four basic skills, and you only get two of those basic skills. Plus you have your right click and your ultimate. So there's still four total skills. But at any one time in that game, even if you see repeat heroes, they could have different skills entirely. Like, because mm. again, two of your, half of your abilities are going to be unique to you almost because you get to pick those too. It's absolutely insane how much variety there is, but I can't imagine that game can be well balanced because of that. Well, you mentioned earlier before the before you chance to try the game, you thought like maybe four plus four, so eight skills would be too much. So it's interesting that they went with four possible skills per hero, and you just pick two. So again, you're left with four. You no, know, but the thing is, yeah, you're still left with four. But the yeah. thing is, you you still every character has a right click as well. You can't change that, and you have your ultimate. Okay. You can't change that. But All right. you have there's four basic skills. You get two of them. But it's crazy because you have to, you have to know what every character does, right? So you have to learn basically six abilities per character, the six possible abilities. What's how many, how many heroes are in the game now? There's thirty right now. That's oh, that's bad. a lot. And you know what I found yeah. interesting about this game? Uh, just looking at your video, you're in this overworld. So explain that. Like, is this is like a town, a hub. Right. Like, what is this? What's going on? There here? is a persistent like lobby, basically. It, it really just serves as a, a lobby. You do get okay. quests over there for the game's PVE. You can queue up for dungeons. You can queue up for PvP. Whoa, whoa you, you said quests? Quest? What kind of quests? Okay, it's... I know you guys are going to hate this, and honestly, I'm still... It's a mixed bag for me. It, it has, like, that Battleborn style. It's a MOBA, but there's also this whole PvE experience. Oh. But it's not... It, it's more like Hero Wars, Dungeon Fighter Online, Vindictus, where you have these stage-based levels and progression that way. So... And honestly, it's going to be Does it play weird. like a MOBA or like an RPG, those areas? It's still, it's it's still a. Mo I mean, you still have the same core gameplay that you have in the the mobile elements, but it, it's there's, there's there's trash mobs, then you get to the boss, mini boss, and there's a boss fight at the end, and depending on how you do, you get an S rank, you know, whatever. But there's one, I think, gonna be a serious issue that's gonna really kind of put played uh, no, put put a uh, Master X Master in an awkward spot, and I think 
I think you guys will agree with me. Let me know if you if you do. The way it works is you have uh you can actually level your your weapons. Remember I said there's three weapons? Mm-hmm. Right. Each weapon is three levels, right? And get this. In order to upgrade between the levels, you have to play the PvE and get crafting equipment. So like Battleborn. So, so so like Battleborn in that regard. So when you queue up for PvP, and if you're trying to play ranked, right? The guy might have just better weapons than you. And not just weapons, there's a rune system too. I think they're called nodes. So not only can somebody have better weapons than you, he, has, he might have better nodes than you. So it, it just feels unfair. When you play a MOBA, you want to be on the same level of playing field as somebody else. And opening the door to having different nodes and higher weapon skills than you is just, I think, really stupid for a MOBA. How, from your experience, how, how many hours do you have to sink into the PvE to like unlock all that garbage? Oh, uh, forever. No, again, I, I, forever. Because think about it wow. this way. Again, you have three ranks for every every weapon. There's three weapons per right. character. Per character. Would you ever get one weapon on one character? weapons. Yeah, so you give 90 things to max out. Oh, and of course, you have to unlock every character, too. Certain characters you only unlock by playing oh. the PvE. You have to play the PvE. Mm-hmm. Like, because to unlock one archer lady, you have to do this first mission, and you have to get 10 bows from that mission. It means you got to grind that mission, like, like 10 times. Mm-hmm. Assuming you get the drop every time. All right, here's another qu- One more question. So this game is supposed to be like the mishmash, like kind of like the he- Heroes of the Storm or whatever of NCSoft. Did you recognize any of these characters from one, the NCSoft? One, one, Jin Sto Yun from Blade Soul. Yeah, oh, she's in it? It's the only one I recognized. Okay. I mean, there's also uh, Lindy's two characters in there. But it's... I recognized Mondo's axe. But, but the NCSoft universe is not the same iconic as Blizzard, too. So you got to keep that in mind. And... They didn't even have enough characters to fill in the game with their anti-soft characters. Half the characters is just fill-ins they, they made. For oh. Just for... Just for oh, really? Time. Yeah. They, they, they couldn't pull a blizzard, you know? <laughs> they couldn't pull a yeah, blizzard. But, but I know a lot of people gave... like I know my friends that play Dota, they give League a lot of flack because you don't have all the heroes right away. So those people would never play Master X Master because not only do you not have the heroes unlocked, you don't have the... All the nodes unlock and all the weapons. But yeah, the, I take issue the with sa- that. The saving grace is that if you, you can play unranked PvP, either 3v3 or 5v5. You can play that and it equalizes all weapons and nodes, which is thank God, right? But if you want to play ranked, nope. Whoever gets. Wait a you, second. Wait a second. Shouldn't it be switched around? Yes! It that seems pretty <laughs> odd. <laughs> if they switched what? around, it'll be fair. But I guess yeah. they ain't about that fairness. <laughs> It feels like a Korean grinder. I mean, I haven't played it, so it sounds like a Korean grinder where it's just just lock as much stuff as you can behind, assuming that people are going to feel the need to grind the content and unlock yeah. everything instead of just getting bored. Just give me all the heroes. Okay, it's, it's of... really a cool concept. I just wish they yeah. didn't at least make the ranked mode not have to require that stuff. Make the PvP its own thing, but it's just so silly to have that. So when my brother yeah, was I'll first... master... oh, go ahead. I was just curious. Does Master X Master have a cash shop? Because will that will heroes be locked? Pro- obviously, well? I, probably. Yeah, I, I imagine it's an alpha right now. So I, I don't know. I didn't look over there. I mean, what kind of question yeah. is that? <laughs> I'm just curious. maybe not. You never know. I don't know. Oh, and I, I, I was gonna say my when my brother was telling me about this game uh, earlier today, it kind of reminded me vaguely, at least the unlock part of uh, another game that kind of shot itself in the foot like that. I don't know if you guys remember Age of Empires Online. It was like a free to play online RTS. Like a cartoony Age of Empires. But the problem was you had to do all this garbage PvE content to unlock units that you could build in PvP. So if you didn't do it and you play PvP, you made like soldiers, right? Like like swordsmen. The other guy could make like elite swordsmen 
it's, it's the same like tier, right? And he would just beat you because he played like this thirty-hour campaign in the PVE. So like, it, and the game didn't do well shut down because I think large part because it kind of tried to throw this RPG progression system into it this game. It was awful. Like the concept was beautiful, great art. It was fluid, but like my brother said, I tried playing the PvP. Like this guy's got these epic cards. His units are just ten times better than mine. Mm-hmm. So imagine playing RTS StarCraft or anything where they just their units just do more damage than yours. And it's not like they unlocked it with like necessarily by buying it, which you could do. But they just threw out like thirty hours into this garbage PVE campaign. Which if I'm okay with a PVE campaign being there for those who want it, right? If you want to practice or whatever, or just just don't want to do PVP. But don't make it so I have to unlock units like to play the PVP, like. In an RTS two- or a MOBA, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. Like because of that, there's zero chance of Master X Master competing with League and Dota. It could create its own niche, which is fine. I mean, yeah. also don't get me wrong, I'm being a little critical, but I actually enjoyed the game a lot. It's fun. The combat is fun. The arena is fun. I like the three v three more than the five v five. It's fun. It just I wish they didn't do some of the things they did. I'm even impressed just to hear you had fun because yeah. I kind of expected this to be a flop. No, the honestly, I want you guys to play it. I know I want, I'm definitely Altai's going to play it later because I think he might enjoy it. And I'm going to ask some of my other friends to play it too, just to give it a try. Because it's fun. It just it's going to be a turnoff for people that don't want to unlock everything. So I've been I heard it, um, Master X Master is the most MMO style MOBA out there, and that kind of makes sense, right? Because it's got the overworld, it's got the PVE, PVE yeah, the unlocks, so the levels, you, the the upgrades. Why are you mixing those genres? Like, what is? What oh, no, I'm not saying it's good. It? I'm just saying that's what it is. But I mean, I'm curious. Is somebody like out there that says it's a really good mix and I like it better this way? I'm, I'm. There has to be somebody out there that that thinks that way. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done this. Maybe they're just trying to do something novel to stand out. Yeah, they have no chance of speeding League or Dota without no. something like this. No, but but you. But, again, I accept the fact they did something novel. They had the dual champions, and that's, that's beautiful. True. That's it's true. innovative. Like you had games like DC Universe Online, which are pretty high, high production value. They were like pretty polished games, but they didn't really do anything new. And this game is doing a lot new with the mm-hmm. mul- multiple skills that you not everyone will have access to, like different weapons. The, the fact that you have two heroes at once is a big deal, and it really changes the game a lot. But nope, they, they had to go ruin any chance of having a competitive scene or uh, like of winning over hardcore players because of that. Uh, I think you put too much emphasis on hardcore players. I think those can safely be ignored. Like... I know in League, like, you're, like, Diamond or whatever, Masters. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should make a game that even... You should not even consider that tier of players, like, the top 1-5% when you make a game. So, uh, some people say in chat, like, there is room in the market for a big, big PvE grind in these kind of games. Because there are a lot of people yeah. who just aren't great at MOBAs and they just want to kind of, you know, play it. And just, they I mean, just want to do. P- play, well, why play? Why play uh, Master X Master? Go play Hero Wars. That's, that's a solid game that has the same PVE and it's going to be more in depth. Ah, uh, they might have the RPG elements when you when mm-hmm. you're playing here when you're playing uh, Master X Master the PVE mode. Okay, yeah, yeah, you get through the levels, right? But you don't have experience. You don't level up. You don't like oh get skills. I didn't know. Okay, so no, I have it's a question. Just the same MOBA. So I have a question. Basically, I think it's going to come down to this: Is the PVE missions are they at all fun? Because in Battleborn, I didn't, I wasn't really enjoying the, uh, so, you know, the PVE content. One of our viewers said he he enjoyed it. It wasn't bad. Like, uh, it wasn't awful. But like, that's not the reason I'm playing a MOBA. Like, it, and it's not going to compete with standalone, instance-based games like DFO or any, you know, Vindictus. Like, why play the PVE in Master X Master if that's what you're looking for when you have better options? 
Hmm. And it's, it's only better because of the medium. You know, you don't. It's a MOBA. You don't have the levels. You don't have the same sense of progression. Yeah, you're unlocking your your weapon skills, but seemingly unlocking them to play them in ranked. Otherwise, they're not that big of a difference. All right. Well, yeah, that, that's it looks that. it looks that's somewhat interesting. Right. I'm not gonna play the alpha or anything, but when Obi comes out, I will definitely give it a shot. Yeah. Well, this is actually a perfect transition since. Master X Master is a Korean MOBA. We had brought this up earlier. Actually, Erhan, I believe you brought it up. Uh, we had wanted to talk about the difference between Korean MMORPGs and some Western games, uh, particularly after our Wildstar experience. Mm -hmm. And whether or not, and I guess this, this may not be the nicest way to phrase it, but it's how it came out. Are Korean MMORPGs dumbing down mechanics? Or is Wildstar just a special case? Because, like we said earlier... Um, we had gone into Wildstar trying to just roll through the dungeon and failed miserably, forgetting that things like coordination exist in games. Um, I know, Erhan, you were quite passionate, so you want to take this one away? I'll, I'll, I'll give my spiel here, my racist spiel. Please, please do. So, okay, some part of this has to do with the, with the change in business model, right? Free-to-play and subscription. When it was subscription or buy-to-play... The focus was on the gameplay, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like now the focus, especially because of the Korean influence and, and you know other Asian countries to a degree, but mainly Korean games, the focus shifted away from uh, challenge to convenience. And when you have that kind of convenience, you don't want to limit anyone's uh, ability to progress because progression means more you know gates they'll hit that they have to pay, potentially pay through. So instead of toll, potential toll booths that they can pass through... Um, you don't want you know you don't want challenge that just prevents them like like we had with the two hour uh, tutorial dungeon, and unfortunately so much of the streamlining from Korean games has now filtered into Western games. So Wildstar is now one of, well, was an exception right. So many Western games today, so it's, it's no longer a Korean versus um, Western deal. They both kind of do it now, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, so we see it a lot. I remember Neverwinter, for example. I really loved when Neverwinter came out. I liked the graphics. I liked the style, the D&D &D style. I liked um, the combat. It was kind of like more action-y. Mm -hmm. But something about it just felt so easy. Like the dungeons, I was just stomping through them. Uh, like, yeah. I wasn't really at all like worried about my health. I wasn't really worried about my teammates' health. You know, we just kind of just unload everything and we progressed, right? And I was just thinking at that time, like... How much better would this have been if, let's say, Cryptic never got bought by a perfect world, never had a problem, uh, and they could kind of make the game the way traditional Western MMORPGs used to be made? Like, the dungeon would actually have to be, you know, you'd have to go room by room, slowly, the cleric would have to do his role, right, the, the tank would have to do his role, but instead it's just a cluster fudge on every mob. But is, is this, like, Korean game's fault for dumbing it down? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, yes, he says. I want to disagree. Really? Here, look, I agree with you that... I, in fact, I'd argue that the Koreans were ahead of the ball. In, they were actually ahead of... America's copying Korean games, if anything. Well, that's what think I'm saying. We're, we're copying their streamlining. No, but but, but the, the Korean games came out, I would say, pretty difficult in the West, too. Like, original MapleStory, people died all the time, hard to grind. You had older games like Legend of Ares, for example. I remember you had to gear grind, otherwise you just get dumpstered in the dungeons, right? Like... That's not fair. That's not fair. Because I'll go back to Maple Story. Difficulty. No, difficulty is not the same as what I'm talking about. Wildstar wasn't difficult for grind reasons. That dungeon, right? 
it wasn't a matter of us not being strong enough. Right? You know what I'm saying? Maple story. Yeah. Every class, they, they didn't. Unless you were doing the rare uh, bosses, you didn't group. All you did, everybody just grinded the same monsters. Like you, you, you didn't have you didn't have to think or work together. Korean games have gotten easier though, and, it, and they started off harder, and they've gotten easier. But I'm not talking about that. Like I'm not talking about the mob having a million health or or ten million health, and you just pushing the same button ten times or a hundred times, which is what Korean difficulty is all about, right? That's not what I'm talking about here. That's a I fair mean, point. That, that is that is. So, the main game I can think of right now is Black Desert, which really isn't a fair comparison because doesn't have that focus on PVE. But the main reason I believe some of those, and Matt, maybe you can attest to this, those PVE bosses were difficult was because their health pool was just so enormous. But they did the same moves over and over again. And as long as you didn't get hit, you were fine. You would just spam them down. I feel like Matt's having some technical difficulties over there. I think so, too. No. No? I'm fine. Okay. Oh, there he is. <laughs> so, how, what was the PvE like in Blade and Soul? I mean, not Blade and Soul. Uh, Black Desert. Like, I remember yeah. the few bosses I fought to mid-level. I didn't get that far. It was I just spin around in circles, doing my move, and they just can't hit me. good. They can't hit me, though. <laughs> no, well, it was Black, very easy. Black Desert, the issue with it was most of the PvE mobs still acted like regular MMO mobs. So, basically... It's either they were brain dead easy and you could cut through them in like a hit or two at mm -hmm. max level, or they had a ton of health and did a ton of damage and they'd swarm you and just beat the shit out of you because you can't dodge if they're just doing the same like moves that you would have done to you in a normal not action like in a tab targeting MMO because you can't dodge it. Right. So there's no middle ground. It was either, it was either brain dead easy or too hard. And it wasn't too hard because. Yeah. Each individual enemy was too hard. It was too hard because, like, you had swarms of these enemies on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like artificial hardness, right? Just right. Yeah. And once you got a level or two, and you got another plus or two on your gear, it wouldn't be hard anymore. So, so go grind. So, so here's the Korean mentality. From if I think I've got it, if the Korean mentality is just go grind. You want to be better? Go, go grind. Yeah. And, <laughs> go and grind or go to the cash shop. But never with had that same issue. You said never with was easy because you're stopping through them, right? Yeah. It was because of, like nothing mechanically difficult. It was just everything was everything died so quickly and then no damage to you. Well, right, but but can I contrast that to like Wildstar where it, it, it de levels you, right, when you're in a dungeon? Like I don't think any level of levels would have helped us in that dungeon. It's just a matter of learning Yeah. The the mechanics okay, of the dungeon. True. And now compare that to Korean games where it's just a matter of it's a gear it's either an experience grind or or a gear grind, right? So it's not like difficult in the way I'm, I mean. I'm trying to think. There's got to be a game out there where it's. There I think is you're some... using one example to completely like, uh... envelop the entire Western mindset, and that's not fair. There's got to be a couple of Korean games where the, the end game rating is like straight up mechanically difficult to do. I mean, no, there, no, mind, no, right? there is. I'm not, and I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, end game. You're right. It could be different, right? But. I'm talking about the whole the most people, right? I don't think get to the end game in any game, right? The average person doesn't get that far. That's and, a different issue completely. No, but one of the reasons is because they're not being confronted by something that's interesting on the yeah, way there. That's not really the reason either. I mean, Basically, everyone that plays MMOs knows that nothing until the end game is really all that interesting. No, no, I don't no, buy that. I don't buy that I either. Don't buy that. I don't buy that either. It, I, that's, I've heard that repeated so that's, many times. That's the case mind. today, right? But that's not the way it used to be, and it's not the way it should be. No, even today, go. I ain't buying it. I, here's go. why I'm not go. buying it. Here's, here's why I'm not buying it. Most of the, I find myself when I get to endgame, you know what happens? I quit. I quit pretty quickly at endgame. Whether it was WoW, like, no, 
like, no matter what, when I get the end game, I just feel like, all right, you know, I do a couple late game end game dungeons, like, all right, I'm done. It just, right. I enjoy the the journey to get to end game usually, and it, it's not always obviously game to game is different, but I, it's not fair to say everybody no, accepts I mean, the fact that end game is. He he, he is correct that Matt is right that that is the current mindset. Okay, but that doesn't mean it should be or was right. So. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. And honestly, the fact that Wildstar kind of flopped as hard as it did, right? And it's it's barely like we're talking about whether it's gonna get shut down or not. It kind of shows you where the, you know. Well, that's, that's what I wanted to bring up is that uh, you can put all this work into designing interesting bosses and having you know a difficulty right off the bat, but based on where Wildstar stands and all the predictions that have been made, it, it kind of I don't know what the actual issue was, and it's hard to identify, but. Mm -hmm. I imagine that tutorial dungeon did not help a lot of people who had just hit level 10 in the game and that they were dissuaded. They said, this is too hard based on what other games I've played. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it seems like based on the numbers, it's not the content people want. It's clear that people want easy, okay? That's why games are making it easy. Like literally every game today, like if, if they've been around for a long time, they're easier today. It never gets harder. It only gets easier, which is why WoW dumbed down their gameplay to the point where you can just AFK in every dungeon and just go through it anyway and not just wow dark age of camelot an older game you level up so quickly now in that game and maple story got easier literally every mrb that's been around for a long time gets easier it means that's what the market wants doesn't it we keep talking about hardcore but clearly the market has spoken they don't want difficult games they want easy games yeah and i think that's one of the reasons we're never going to see like an orthodox mrpg that's triple a going forward because the money, the, the the audience is just not there. We're gonna get niche products, so I know we don't like some of these perpetual Kickstarter niche oh, RPGs. Me up. But unfortunately, you know this is this is what's in the store for us for the foreseeable future. You brought up a good point earlier when we were at at breakfast about the reason why we're not seeing more games being developed because I I, I want to point out that there really aren't that many Western MRPGs. That have been developed lately. There, like, no, there are. The that's not fair. There are a lot, but the issue is they're not the full scale MRPGs. They're more like focused on certain aspects. They're of very the, niche. Yeah. And and no, you gotta give the credit to Koreans. Though, they still churn out a lot of like fully feature MRPGs, whether you like them or not, whether you say they're too grindy or not. You have like Koreans and Chinese games, Twin Saga. Like they they roll out so many games, like full games. You don't get that from Western companies. It seems like. That's true. Well, relative to the population, I'm just going to pull this one out of my ass and say more people in Korea, percentage-wise, are playing those games than over here in America. Where we're saturated with console, a gigantic console marketplace. Korea, you know, Korea, uh, PC, Master Race, number one. I imagine, and that's why so many, that's why they're able to do that. Like the game, everyone plays for a bit and then it fizzles out. Whereas here, a game can go under the radar right off the bat. But I mean... All these games are made. All these Korean games are made for the Korean and, and Chinese market first, right. and then ported Port. to America a you know, second, like as a second afterthought. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, like anime dubs, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. It makes yeah, sense. That's true. But I mean, what was the last fully featured AAA or not even, let's say double A or single let's A? Let's say triple A. Let's say like what was the what was the last big Western game? Was it Star Wars? Uh, was there anything in between that was really, you know, like, I'm not, there's, there's been some indie games. Does indie Japan games count as Western? No. Does what? Does Japan count as Western? No. Does Skyforce count as Western? Because it's Russia. That's Russia. No, that can't. Well, no. Russia has, Russia has worked, Obsidian worked on Skyforge a little bit, so that could count as Western. But but can you guys think of anything else besides, you know, Skyforge? 
ESO, Wars. ESO. Oh yeah, Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, you yeah, had ESO. You when did ESO come out though? Relatively recently. Yeah, two or three years ago, right? Okay, fine. Elder Scrolls Online is, is a good example then, 2014. Elder mm -hmm. Scrolls Online. But you don't get the same, like, the, the, the sheer amount of game, like, full games that come from the, the East. And I think that that's, that, that, that shows something. They, they get things done. I mean, they get garbage done. I don't know if that's a... <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think it's commendable to release a bunch of trash. You know, like... No, <laughs> say what you will. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to playing Twin Saga, even though... I know it's not going to be like this revolutionary new game, but it looks pretty fun. I'm looking forward to playing it, and I know like I'm going to quit like within uh, with probably within a couple of weeks. But during those couple of weeks, I'm going to have my fun. All as right. long as you have your fun, yeah. And I, I know I'll tell you I was discussing this at breakfast about the possible reasons behind this. I think I'll tell made a good point. Oh well, my issue was um, so back I guess when we first started playing MMORPGs and. You know, when you guys started playing them uh, with games like whether it's EverQuest or even like things like RuneScape, uh, whatever it was for you, those first MRPGs. I mean, that that these were like the cutting edge, big budget games, right? So they attract the top talent in the industry. Today, if you're like a you know a really good programmer, really you know you're good at your trade, you you're going to get you know offers from companies like Supercell making like a Clash Royale. It makes like millions a day, uh, and, and a lot of these. Uh, MMORPG projects can't really offer the same budgets. Like, Camelot Unchained has got a few million dollars where, you know, it's, it's working with a few million dollars. How can it compete for talent with, with these massive, you know, like, companies like Blizz Activision Blizzard, Tencent, all these kind of guys? So, we're kind of left with the guys that are really passionate and maybe not the most uh, capable programmers. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Who's got the yeah. money? The mobile game devs. So Yeah. Or America, you know, obviously, America's got a huge, you know, tech industry we have like some of the biggest tech companies in the world so all these guys are going to be working for them and that's true what's that. interesting too is you gotta at least you know like praise or at least give some credit the guys like chronicles of Illyria, the guys behind the guy behind it he's a guy who worked in the industry for a while he started his own company and he, he makes some money off his search engine company and he's an entrepreneur this guy is self he's self-funded to start off with chronicles of Illyria, and like those are the only times i feel like you're going to get another big idea where somebody takes uh, takes his own money and risks it like that and, or maybe funds it through kickstarter so there is a purpose for kickstarter or people self-funding their own games they're going to be the passionate people that you know w w would otherwise otherwise these games would not be created because the talent is not going to be there because the talent will go somewhere else yeah but keep in mind it takes a ton of money yes to make these games real so even if you're passionate and you you're well off say you have a couple million that's not yes. enough Nowhere near enough. Star Wars was a hundred million dollar game, right? Star yeah. Citizen's raised over a hundred yep. million. Yeah. I mean, and the, and and it's no guarantee of success either. So, mm -hmm. it's very hard. Uh, and most most projects we see that are still in development from Kickstarter, they don't raise that much money. I mean, maybe they break ten million, but that's a that's rare. Well, speaking so. of games development budgets, uh, we want to introduce a new segment here. And Sean, I'll let you take that one off. I was like, so in the interest of being more professional, we are trying a new segment. The name is a work in progress. Um, maybe we'll call it Get Hyped or Hype This Game. But basically, we want to give some coverage to games that we often overlook or games that are still in development from Kickstarter. Um, so this week, I'm taking the reins on Crowfall. I think a couple people uh, that are regular viewers are passionate about Crowfall. Uh, we only decided this yesterday, so I kind of just 
like soaked in as much information as I could in the last 24 hours, and there is a lot. From what I've learned, if they're looking into this, we could spend an entire podcast just talking about Crowfall. But to give an overview, so what's going to happen is I'm going to try and just give an over an overview of the game. Uh, everyone's going to listen, and then we'll you know we'll talk about it, ask questions. If anyone has questions in chat, I'll try and answer them. So anyway, Crowfall is an MMORPG meets strategy game, uh, which is kind of a weird combo when you read it on paper. It's by Artcraft Entertainment. They're calling it a Throne Wars simulator. And as far as I can tell, it's obviously inspired by Game of Thrones, and they do kind of admit it. Hmm. Uh, the primary focus of the game is basically going to be PvP. So the way it works is pretty interesting. Uh, rather than being this enormous, persistent world, basically you're going to have tons of little worlds, right? So if you know Shards Online, it's somewhat similar each world will have its own rule set and certain mechanics will be twisted and the developers will be developing these worlds. Uh, each world is also dying, so the worlds will end. So players will enter a world, they'll have to complete an objective, the first group that completes the objective wins and the world dies. So, so you can actually win. Yes. So you can actually win, but here's the thing is that there are many worlds going on at the same time. So the way they describe it, and it's shown in the video, it's like a circle, right? And it's circles mm -hmm. within circles. And you pick which world and which rule set you want to play in. And you play in that world from anywhere between one to three months until the objective, whatever it is, is completed. Then mm -hmm. the world dies. Players will then move to a new world, but they'll keep any uh, progression that they've gained in that world to the next one. Because players don't inhabit a single character. They pick heroes that they'll fight as within these worlds. And they can pick a new hero or stick with the same one in the next one. So it's if interesting. Your if your character's not wiping... Is what your you're character's saying. not... Your character itself kind of dies, but you don't actually inherit a character. You're more like a soul mm. and inhabits yeah, you jump a hero. Into so in mm. one campaign, you could be a wizard. I mean, that's not even a class. In another campaign, you could be a warrior. And there will be base stats that carry over, but you'll it's have to earn champion or knight. Class. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. So each role will have four seasons, right? You'll start in spring... And in spring, you want to go around, you want to collect resources, you want to form alliances with other players, you want to try and establish yourself within this world. Then spring turns to summer. There's more alliances are forming, things, resources are dwindling, people are starting to establish castles. Then in the fall, the strongest guilds will own most of the territory. And you'll be able to set up, you know, big barracks, uh, garrisons. And in the winter, and as time goes on, the land becomes corrupted because it's dying. There are monsters in the world, and they become stronger. You'll have to work together to, to defeat them. Uh, and by winter, it's an all-out war for what's left, right? So winter you can, is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> That's how you know it's totally Game of Thrones inspired. Uh, and everything's voxel-based, so you can have a siege warfare. Uh, you can hurdle, uh, what do they call it? Whatever, siege weaponry at walls, and they'll shatter, and they'll break apart. You hurl, uh, you, you hurl siege weaponry at walls. You know what I mean. So, so you take a catapult, and you put another <laughs> catapult on top of it, it, and you launch it. <laughs> you don't put boulders on it. You exactly. put the no, no you boulders. Put you, on there. Right, no, right. You, you got to do it the cool way. You take a ballista, put it on a catapult, launch it in the air, launch the bolts out of the ballista into some guy's chest. That's it gets how more, you do it. It gets more momentum that way, you know, because yeah, yeah. the momentum from the catapult and then the ballista as well, it adds to the velocity. Genius. <laughs> You, you sold me on this game, Gumby. I'm sold on this alone. And Okay, so that... It's true. Siege weapons on siege weapons is the best siege weapon. <laughs> uh, so basically then, uh, so then whoever is left in the end is, is declared the winner, whatever. But each 
campaign will have different rule sets. One I saw function as like a capture the flag kind of thing. Uh, in some worlds, it's strictly PvP between players. Some you have to, I guess, occupy a uh, garrison. Um, right, so correct me if I'm wrong. Ahead. This sounds like an MMORPG MOBA. It's no. an MMO. Okay, so when it comes to the MMORPG element, a lot of what I've seen advertised, what's persistent about it is your character, right? Mm -hmm. Not the worlds themselves. I mean, yeah, there's this idea of an overarching yeah. world, uh, worlds that are connected, but it's the stats you gain as your kind of spirit or crow is what they call it. I, uh, I do think they're... there's a one persistent world though, for, for your character to make. Okay, make a I was going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. So, if I, it, real, I'll go over the character progression real quick, since you want, you know, about persistence. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, skills are leveled up passively. There is active skills, but you can only, you know, perform tasks and then get a certain number of skill points. But for the majority of time, skills will be gained passively, like Eve Online, right? So you'll you'll choose what skill you want to level up in, and then it'll gain experience even when you're offline. And that helps create a more even playing field. Uh, there's a ton of customization in your character. Not only will you pick like a general class, you'll then mm -hmm. pick a subclass, then you can choose these disciplines. You become a werewolf or a vampire. It's it's very ambitious and very complex and layered. And I think maybe that's why it's taken so long since the Kickstarter launch. Um, and I'm not gonna go into any more into that right now because there's so much to go into. Uh, there is one persistent world, every single player gets their eternal kingdom. It's basically a world, uh, it's a little smaller, but you set all the rules. You're the monarch, right? You can actually spot in creatures, you choose the rules of PvP, uh, and the idea of having your own world also is that you can not only create the world in like a Tetris-like grid, but you can give land to other players. And you'd be like, okay, you're a baron. So and he can set taxes. Are these he, like dedicated servers though? Like These are dedicated servers, yeah. It, this is your world really that will cool. always exist. I and like the it. point, I think, and I may not have this right. The point is really for players to interact with each other. It's the social aspect of the game, to set up a marketplace, to trade. You can also go to PvP in that world, and I guess guilds will probably migrate to one world itself. But the coolest part to me is the fealty system, where you can elect barons or whatever, right? And then they can elect their own peasants, and you know each player gets a little plot of land. And I'm curious how it's going to work out when everyone is a monarch in their own world. It kind of seems like, why would I join someone else's world? <laughs> um, to be a peasant. To be a peasant. <laughs> um, be... So at least you gotta live the peasant lifestyle, right? Um, <laughs> you just you just craving to be that peasant. But they say they know most people are probably like there's gonna be a large majority of people who mainly go to campaigns and participate in the campaign worlds. But it is a really neat uh part of the game that I'm not sure I fully I fully explain in terms of the benefits. I mean, um, from what you explained, though, it does seem interesting. Uh, I know um, somebody pointed out in the chat, too. It was an open-world MOBA with progression, and that, that actually sounds really cool. So yeah, what I, and uh, just go ahead. Uh, what I like about this game, or at least the concept so far, because we haven't played it, first of all, it's made by it's made on in Unity, which is the same thing as Rust, and I'll get back to Rust in a second. It's got This game has a pretty big team, pretty powerful team behind it. A lot of the names, yeah. another names behind this game are... Uh, Names for executive producer of like Ultima Online, Star Wars Galaxies. You got they've been they have a consultant, Raf Coster, which was the main designer yep. behind Star Wars Galaxies. Ultima uh, Online. Yep, you Everquest. got you. Yep, you got some big names from people. Creative director behind Shadowbane, Wizard One Hundred One. J. Todd uh, Coleman. Yep, yep. So you got a lot of wow. big boys. A lot of big boys behind this project. Gordon a lot Walton of big dicks behind this game, boys. A lot yeah, of big dicks true. behind this one. And if He's I can describe a big dick Kickstarter. For sure. <laughs> if I can, if I can describe like the what I, the vibe I get from this is um. I know my brother really likes Rust, and I really don't. And this game to me looks like Rust with purpose. Like 
you have the you have the world that ends, but you don't have one week before it wipes. You have like three months, right? And you all jump in there, you fight each other, you gather resources, but at the same time, you don't lose your progression, and you have your own world. You can keep building. So I, I just like the concept of this, of this better, where it's persistent for longer, the combat realm, and you at least you have a permanent base. As far as I understand, too, you will be building up in the combat realm. You will be collecting resources because you need yeah. to establish yeah, 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 yeah. your own fort, and it's fully destructible. So like, it's not, it's, you know, people can come in if they have a big enough army and tear you down. Uh, the coolest thing is they're trying to create this emergent political system, right? Uh, just like you were, just like in Rust. So like by fall, all these big guilds will be together. So it forces all, or the biggest guild will control most of the resources and land. So all the small guilds have to band together or lose, you know. So um, I'm hoping that happens. It it is it does seem ambitious. It the Kickstarter date was. I, I, um, I am going to say West Western games in general are more ambitious, and I think Crowfall is a good example of that. But then again, you do have the you do have you know some eastern games that are ambitious and different like master x master but this this sounds pretty exciting okay the so fact that they, they got real names behind it too it makes it even more legit i uh i do have a few concerns i also wanted to bring up uh, because we don't want to just praise the game mm -hmm. um uh one thing i guess they kind of they overest they underestimate how much to oh before we get to that they did partner with a european company called um uh Oh, no, it's Travian. Uh, Travian. Travian. Yep. It's a publish in Europe, and they're pretty popular for publishing these strategy games over there. So it just shows that they have, there is interest. I think that's helped them out with development. But they are going to do a soft launch. So the game is in pre alpha currently. If you buy in with the Founders Pack, which I think is about a uh, 100 bucks, they do have Oof. slight or smaller tiers, but you need that for the alpha testing. They do alpha tests like every weekend or so. Um, so it, it is definitely a slow process. This is a game that's not close to coming out i would say i think this would take a lot more time and i hope they do take the time uh no. make it right i'm look at the gameplay is it action gameplay it is action gameplay so yeah, i didn't go so into combat this is yeah, so much it potential. is action gameplay and uh, there it, there is an overwhelming number of classes and play styles and the way you can customize your class um, and there are supposed to be i want to say about a dozen different archetypes to choose from so there's quite a bit of customization involved it does look, I mean, I love the art style. It's very ambitious. It's got big names behind it. The thing I wanted to bring out, uh, and Shroud of the Avatar is doing this too, is you can purchase now uh, castles. You can purchase, uh, you know, for like 100 bucks, 400 bucks, you can buy yourself a castle and you know have it in your world. But I think it only applies to that Eternal Kingdom, so it's kind of like buying in to customize your own little world, so that's not so bad. Um so actually, I guess I don't have that many. Cons no, it, lo it looks it looks really cool, and you know, it's something I would want to try for sure. All right, so to me, it gives me like a kind of Dayok PvP vibe with what we're seeing now. And my my concern would be, does it look too cartoony? Like, can can people take the combat seriously when it looks like this cartoony? Is that is that an issue for anyone or no? Somebody actually mentioned. He asked me if I if if I think that that cartoony look is okay because a lot of like fantasy and RPGs do have that look. Mm -hmm. and I, I think it looks fun it's like it's not overly cartoony if the colors were a little brighter i think they'd be a little too much if it you know like if it's because they're a little bit darker i think i think it looks okay i think the uh cartoon aesthetics tend to last far longer than any i think we've talked about this before yeah. than realism i think it helps explain why wow you know at least aesthetic no one ever really complains about it. uh the graphics at least not that i've seen because it it's a more charming this cartoony uh presentation and I actually think Crowfall looks pretty good. 
I don't think it looks too, you know, childish. It's not Pirate 101 or something. I think they were smart to go with, like, it kind of, you can kind of tell it's got, like, a low texture count or whatever, mm -hmm. which, which they need for, like, fluid PvP with lots of people on the screen. So I think that was a smart choice. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just a non-issue. I think the art style is a non-issue. I mean, it, it, I would say good. some people, it is a deal breaker for some no, people. Cause that, I think it was a conscious decision to go for this for the yeah. resource purposes. Like, to, to make the combat more fluid with like 100 people on screen. Plus, I feel like you need a bigger budget to make realistic 3D graphics. Like, if you want to make good 3D graphics that just look great, I think it's going to take more money. And they, they raised about like 7 million bucks. They're at about 7 million now, yeah. The Kickstarter raised uh, about 1.7 million. Uh, they their total funding though is seven point two, so hmm. that's pretty that's pretty solid. Again, it's not that much in the grand scheme, but um, and apparently they have one hundred and twenty eight thousand backers, so there is some widespread interest. After reading about it and looking into it, only the last twenty four hours. So again, forgive me if I missed stuff. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. This one looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the only issue, so as we do this hype up new segment. A lot of the things we're going to cover are going to be ones that are in development for a while. And the only the only issue that upsets me is that it's likely we won't see this as a full release till 2018, I'm going to guess. 2018? And the reason why, and I'm only guessing that. This is out of my ass. But mm -hmm. the original plan was the end of 2016. But now that I hear they're doing a soft launch, I imagine 2016, the entire... 2017 will be the polishing year before they go into beta where it's fully functional. It's just, there's so much going on with this game I can't imagine it's all to be wrapped up that quickly. Wait, that, that's the thing about you know these these Western games as well. They always try to do a lot. Yeah. Like again, like, especially all these crowdfunded games too. Whether it's this game, Star Citizen, Illyria, they they all try to do a lot, which is great because we have complained a lot about the staleness of the genre. And yeah. God bless these guys for at least trying to do something different. But it, it also you know, forced us to wait, and we're all we're all pretty impatient. Well, that's the problem with transparent crowdfunding, uh, isn't it? You actually mm -hmm. see how long it takes to create these projects. Mm -hmm. Can I just say how cool does their logo look? You guys see that big crow at the end? That is an awesome That logo. is a pretty yeah. nice logo. Right? <laughs> that's how you know you got that big dick staff. Mm -hmm. They know what they, they're doing. They sold me the logo, right? They sold me <laughs> the logo. Take my money. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's Crowfall. Um, we'll try to cover it more as news comes up. Now it's on Sean's radar. And every week we'll try to bring you guys a little look at one of these kind of games, yeah. one of these upcoming games. I think everybody knows about Crowfall, though. I mean, but I mean, yeah, we've heard of it, but it's just the biggest. yeah. But that's it, what I want mean, to point out. This is a game, and this is only going to appeal to a select few people. They put a ton of work into the at least thinking about the backstory. It's basically Greek mythology translated for this game. I don't know. To me, that's like a big, big plus, big thumbs up. Somebody asked, why can't the MO's logo be that cool? Yeah, we are we are not that cool. Yeah, I'm sorry, we're working on it. Maybe one day, maybe one day, all right? Slow and steady steps to professionalism. Yeah. Actually, talk about the cartoony aesthetics. I mean, some people really don't like it, but I I, I love like sleek cartoony graphics. Like Aura Kingdom. Gorgeous. All right. I, maybe just me, but I, I really like those graphics. You just Actually, really like anime, don't you? No, I, I mean I, I watch anime, but like not like crazy amounts. But I want to show you the the trailer for uh, Twin Saga. And Let's see it. Let's I'll, see it. Let's see the Twin I'm Saga trailer. I'm, I'm busting it out, boys. Let me find this. It's actually, the class trailer doesn't look bad, but I don't think it looks great by any means. 
I, I, I like the look a lot. Are you trying to say that it looks exactly like every other game X Legends publishes? That's actually that is what I'm, that is what I'm, I'm trying to say. Actually. It's like it's it's not smooth enough. Ooh. Like it has like jagged edges. There's blurry textures here and there. There's this weird thing where the outlines of the characters and like the detail on the characters mismatches with the background. There's an issue with that with like every single one of their games. Right. Taiwan number one. <laughs> but I, I I want you to put the music on this video for the podcast because this is a cartoony game and listen to the music. It doesn't fit at all. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious that they chose this music. Like, oh, I do remember this. Oh, it's like orchestra. It's like it's like glutton chanting or something. But like it doesn't fit the graphics or the, like the game the art at all. So you have a, it just makes no kind of sense. It needs to be happy go lucky. Yeah, so you have an Aura Kingdom-like game if you're just listening on the MP3. It's an Aura Kingdom-like game, cartoony animated graphics with this like epic orchestra music, and it just doesn't make doesn't fit. I mean, the graphics do look cute. Yeah, so you have a cutesy game with this really epic music that doesn't fit. No, not at all. <laughs> who chose this music? Who thought this was a great idea to put it to this? Same person who chose that town music in Wildstar. <laughs> oh my god, that town music is pretty great. It really was. It didn't fit, but it was great. But uh, somebody... I, I Go ahead. I, I like these graphics a lot. Curious where everybody else stands on these graphics. Oh, they look good. I mean, this, this company kind of does the same spiel every year, and they get a little better at it every year, so... Here we yeah. are. <laughs> somebody asked about Lost Ark. And I feel like this Lost Ark is becoming the new Earth Special Forces, where we check every now and then and see if it's ever coming out. And the answer is normally a resounding no. <laughs> uh, Lost Ark has not really made any buzz at all. Uh, not even E3. I mean, normally you would expect to see them at G3. I mean, G-Star in Korea, which is until the fall, till November. So, uh, no. No word. So, uh, who knows what's happening there. Lost Ark is lost in development. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe so. They got lost looking for the Ark, alright? The Noah's Ark. So I wanted to, before uh, we brought up this uh, Twin Saga, I wanted to compare, like, you know, we just talked about uh, Crowfall and all the cool things it's trying, all the interesting things, right. to a Korean game coming out very soon, uh, Riders of Icarus. Ah. And uh, what does that game do differently? Not much. <laughs> Except... oh, no, no, no. The, the mount system, you gotta give it to them. The alright, uh, they got plenty of mounts to collect. Gotta, gotta catch them all, alright? Yeah, and... And people like catching them all. We, as we talked about the Steam sales, it's it's it is a big deal. Like, what Guild Wars Two did really well, besides being really polished, is the fact that they had all the you gotta collect them all features on the maps and all those side quests and everything. People like doing completion and having a really in-depth pet system or mount system. I think it's it's gonna it'll help the game a lot. I mean, we'll see. But I, I do I, I don't want to rag on too much on Riders of Rickers. I do plan on playing it, and uh, it will come out on. June what, fifth? July sixth. July sixth. Uh, if it you is pay, June. or tomorrow. Tomorrow, if you pay twenty-five bucks. So up to you guys out there. And uh, the max level of the first month is gonna be what, like twenty-five? Twenty-five, yeah. Does anyone know why they did that? Like, uh, have you guys heard of a game doing that before? No. Doing what? Okay, so open beta, um, the first month, your max level is gonna be twenty-five. Oh yeah, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, Guild Wars One. Anyone remember Guild Wars One? The max level I think was also a twenty-five. But that was first came out. But that 
Was that forever though? Never was raised. Yeah, it was forever. Yeah. It was never raised. Didn't it hit thirty with the expansion, or was it twenty and then twenty-five? Well, even if it, even if it hit thirty with the expansion, that's not fair because like that then that was the level cap, right? But with Icarus, this is not the level cap. It's just they so, just. All right, so let's think for a second. Why, why do that? To me, that says okay, we didn't finish this content. Post twenty-five, so we're gonna just delay it until it's done. We want to release now. There's too much hype. Get on the hype yeah. train. Yeah, it's still twenty. Okay. It's always been 20. Uh, so, so people are asking what my leveling session is. I, I will stream myself playing Riders Rickerous. The bet was to get the max level within like a, a week or a month or something. But now <laughs> these guys are trying to back out. All right. Matt is trying to back out of the bet because the max level is only 25. All right. Yeah, it's some bullshit though. Should, it, That's it all. No offense. The, cards, the cards came out of my favor. I should not be punished for this. All right. You, you could... You could do that in probably three hours. I'm not going to reward you for that. Yeah, well, but even in our in our Sunday Funday video, we got level ten pretty quick and started. Yeah, but is this, the, video, the question is: Is this my fault? Is this my fault? This is. Oh, this, I, I want to blame you, Aaron. This is. I think this so. is. This is just fate, right? I can always blame you. The gods <laughs> want you guys to give me money. And because of fate, you're not getting any money. Wow. Get over it. Okay <laughs> all right, guys. These guys are all backing out. So you guys are my. Uh, well, no, no, no. I said I will honor it, but I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the five bucks regardless. Just get there, you know. But they will be releasing level thirty-five uh, the same month it comes out, so I guess it just it just wasn't ready right away. But they said expect the level thirty-five update to be added in July, so the same month of actual release. <laughs> right? It's yeah. Aaron's fault. He gets the blame. It's always Aaron's fault. <laughs> There's always a reason to blame Aaron. I'm True. sitting here wondering how much content it's going to have it released, though. I mean, it's pretty huge in Korea, so... Like, Wait, so why would they do that for a big game in Korea that's still bringing in some money? That they, they kind of half-assed it over here? I don't know. Launch? Maybe there's more content than we realize. Wait, so Matt, you did the test, uh, and you said... I believe you said you got to fight against Ateus, the giant uh, Greek Poseidon-looking god. Is that right? I don't... Yeah. Were, were you max level to do that? Or was that... That wasn't a level 25... I thought it was 20. I can't remember. Oh, yeah? So I, I guess there remember. will be some content. No, but here's the thing. Because we all know, like, the people that play early, because whoever bought the Founders Packs, they get early access by seven days. You, Those guys are all going to max out to 25 <laughs> yeah. within, like, two days, right? Yeah. Before Open Beta comes out, the early access guys will all be level 25. And they'll all quit after they, they max out. I mean, again, we don't, they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll, or, or they'll go collecting everything and stuff, too. But you don't want those hardcore early adopters that were you know eager to play your game to get burnt out early so i mean you, i'm sure they thought of this and that's why they have a lot of the collecting collect all the mounts feature and stuff like that but it just seems really awkward for open beta i mean in alpha it makes sense close beta it makes sense but to have an open beta where the max level is that low seems definitely awkward mm -hmm. yeah i agree uh, we'll see how it actually plays out. Maybe we don't know something. Maybe maybe leveling from 24 to 25 takes more experience than 1 through 24. Who knows? I like how in the video you showed me hitting on a random person. Because it's my <laughs> perspective. <laughs> Dur during that Sunday Funday video, I, I started like, saying like, hitting on some random girl in the game. She didn't reply, though. I, s I asked if she wanted to touch boobs. That's what girls do all day, right? That is what I've heard. I wouldn't know, though. I've never met one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh our next sunday funday uh, let's just wrap it here uh we did announce it before but we are doing an nc soft run so we will be doing a sunday funday for each of nc soft's game so so oh, far boy. we did blade and soul and we did Wildstar. so that and now we're up to aeon so on sunday guys ion. we whatever ion 
uh, Aeon. I'm going to call it Aeon, because that's what it's called. It says Ion in the game. Listen, listen. That's, that's, that's a mistranslation. That's uh, a mistranslation. <laughs> so we're going to be doing okay. that. It's an older game by NC7. Not too old. They do have older mm-hmm. games than that. We're not 100% committed on it, but we're like 90% committed on it. Yeah, and you got level 25 is where we're getting to an ion for the first group dungeon. Yeah, just go on the fast track server, activate all your event XP potions, and you'll be there in like a few hours. But Matt, I still want to play Blade and Soul. (laughs) I'm level 36 in Blade and Soul. I'm still having fun. When I get late game though, everyone's you know everyone's saying the the gear grind gets absurd. Being able to do all your dailies every day, to just get the gear to feed your weapons. Nice. I do want to say, I've 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 been playing Blade and Soul, and I have run into difficulties because again we talked about how easy, you know, Korean games are, but a lot of the missions in Blade and Soul, like they have these mini caves, there's a dungeon designed for like a few people. If you do those alone, it's very challenging, but it's possible. They're designed to have more people, but if you if you do things correctly, you know your class, you block at the right times, you don't get hit, you can actually solo almost all that content. And that's what's really cool, too, because the first time you do it, you'll get dunked. But then when you learn the patterns, it feels rewarding. Now, as I say that, I got dunked in my last one. And I, I actually joined the party with a random person. We tried doing it together, and then we both got dunked. And then we gave up. But I'm going to go back and do it tonight, all right? Nice. Well, there it is. Uh... No, we have another. This is one. We have another segment. Uh, the oh title boy. is also the title is also a work in progress because I have written here, and it's probably not appropriate for some virgin ears. Interesting shit of the week. Uh, this is the <laughs> opportunity to uh, roll call all things missed from our casual conversation, which may or may not lead somewhere else outside of MMOs, but. Uh, Omer, this is your department here. My department? Yes, it certainly is. Well, it's my department, boys. I got an idea. Oh. I know that we mentioned this before, but I think it's yeah. worth saying again, and I got a cool statistic about, uh, related to it. Tencent. Tencent's huge. Tencent bought Tencent Supercell, which makes uh, Clash of Clans and Clash Royale. But did you also know, I don't think my brother knew this, Tencent actually owns 12% of Activision Blizzard. Who knew That's that? Crazy. Who knew that? I didn't know that yeah, until I read this. Crazy. I had no idea. It's surprising. No. So, when you guys are playing They're Overwatch, everything. when you're playing Overwatch or Hearthstone, all right, don't forget the Chinese are making a dime off you. <laughs> the red Chinese <laughs> making a lock off you. China's not going to invade. They're just going to make sure they own all of our games. Or mm-hmm. Tencent's not going to invade. Tencent's quickly becoming this evil dystopian company that's just going to own everything. They own Epic Games. They own Supercell. They own a piece of Activision Blizzard. They yep. own everybody. They own 40% of Epic Games. Yeah. So basically a 50 50 almost. Tencent, give us some money. I actually want to talk about it because you're showing Clash Royale in the background. I-, I actually started playing Clash Royale somewhat recently and just very casually. Like, I'll play a couple games here and there. It's, it's actually a really fun game. It's one of the only mobile games like that. Which I thought were pretty good. I didn't like Supercell's other games because they're all this garbage RTS games that are, have been tr- done a million times and are pay to win. But the pay to win elements in Clash Royale are pretty hilarious. Because somebody actually did the math. Because you actually, it's, it's, think of a thing like Hearthstone if you've never played it, but you can actually upgrade your cards. And the cost doesn't change. So, like, my card will cost the same mana as your card, but mine will have like double the damage because I upgraded mine like level 13 times or something. So, you can, the fact you can upgrade the cards and you can buy uh, like cards, upgrade them. You'd get the same card a whole bunch of times to upgrade. Somebody did the math. 
in order to get like a max level legendary card, a single max level legendary card, and, and your deck is eight cards. To get one, it costs over forty thousand dollars. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and that's if you get the right card every time when you're pulling for the, because you need to get the same card multiple times to upgrade. But to get max level on one card costs forty grand. To upgrade your whole deck is in a, cost three hundred plus grand. And people post screenshots when they find people with maxed out legendary cards. And they're like, holy shit, this guy must have spent so much money. Like, all who's got Bermuda. that kind of money? Bermuda. But Bermuda, you know the entire the entire uh, state of I don't know, pick an African country. <laughs> I don't right. know. So so yes, this game does is it just another, you know, mobile cash grab, right? But at least I like it a lot more than Clash of Clans. It's fun. It's fun. Because when I play Clash Royale, at least I can open my app and play and I just play a quick game, right? I try playing the strategy games and it takes like weeks to get anywhere, right? Like I just want to log in and play. I don't want to just stare at my blacksmith being built, you know, for like 30 hours. Like, what is that? That's not gameplay. At, at least with this game, I can just play. I summon my guys. I win or lose in, t- in like two minutes. That's it. Done. I think everyone experience with Clash of Clans is the same. Like, you get a point where everything costs so much, and then you get, you get raided by somebody who was paid to win player, and then you just die. Pretty much. Pretty much. I tried being a uh, pacifist for a while, and then I attacked someone weaker. Uh, the next morning, I woke up, and all my stuff was destroyed, because it turns out that once you attack someone, you are a free game. So, <laughs> I have known that. Quit uninstalled right after that. Matt, have you ever played Clash of Clans or Clash Royale? No, neither of them. You are not a mobile gamer, Matt. Have you played any mobile mobile games? Yeah, lots, but not those. No. I know Shu played quite a bit of uh, Fake Grand Order. Well, we know that. Ah, she, her wallet knows that. <laughs> <laughs> well, otherwise it's a fun game, minus the pay-to-win elements. I, I mean, I really wish it wasn't pay-to-win, but the beauty is in the early game, it does make a big difference because I'm not playing against any hardcore players just yet. I just know if I keep playing casually within like a couple of weeks, Everyone I play against will just be pay-to-win players. It'll be nonsense. At least I'll only lose the pay-to-win players. I, I mean, it shows you that Western gamers are clearly open to pay-to-win. Because I know like the outrage on MMORPGs and RMO and stuff like that. People are always eager to like trash a game or being pay-to-win. But then you have enormously successful and popular games. They're just blatantly pay-to-win. And apparently, people eat it up. All right, well, that was my uh, interesting shit of the week. Tencent owning 12% of Blizzard. Oh, the name is sticking. I, I love it. I got so, one. All right, let's hear your shit of the week. All right, uh, actually, Matt posted this article on MMOs.com. It, link yes, me. Uh, Valve is, yeah, I will link you. Valve is actually getting sued for, like, the first time, actually, on uh, CS, because of CSGO gambling. They're a real company now. Everyone's got to get sued once. If you get yeah, sued, that... yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're basically getting sued because the guy is mad that um, they have created an environment in which people can gamble using skins, which is basically gambling and using real money, and it's not regulated, and miners can take part, and blah, blah, blah. And I laughed at the one comment of, well, now this guy has given them legal proof that he has taken part in illegal, unregulated <laughs> gambling. <laughs> He must have. He must have gotten. I don't know. I guess he lost. Is what, uh, what we're getting well, at. No, nobody's gonna sue if they want. But basically, um, it, it, t- it goes about esports betting, which was a big Bloomberg Bloomberg article on a while ago, and it actually um, sized up the art of the, the market of, of uh, esports gambling. And you'd be surprised how big it is. I think the esports gambling market is like 
$3 billion. Jesus fucking Christ. And that was in 2015 alone. So about $3 billion was wagered in 2015 alone. And that, that doesn't count the crazy websites that are like, where you can you can do just the pure roulette gambling, where it has nothing to do with esports. So What's that one where you throw in all your skins and then everyone gets one of them? The yeah. one guy gets all of them. What was it called? CSGO Jackpot. There's, there's, there's a whole bunch of them. People go like ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars at a time. You see, like some of the biggest streamers, like Whoa. Soda, pop in. Like, we're, we're talking big money. Like, I think uh, Phantom Lord on Twitch did like he won like fifteen thousand or twenty grand in one go. Damn. Yeah. And That's a no joke. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no way this isn't gambling. It's a straight up. The gambling. thing about it is that you can uh, buy the skins through like lock boxes or whatever the hell it yeah. is. You can trade them when you gamble them. And then you can sell them again on the market. So it's definitely gambling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, I want to show you one of these right now. All right. It's actually pretty insane. The, 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 the way the mechanics of how these work is you have very valuable skins in CSGO. You get them from the lockboxes. And you would put them, you, you'd gamble with them. And the way it works is usually you put, let's say you put $1,000 worth of skins into the pot. Somebody else puts $1,000. And there's $2,000 in the pot. That means your chance of winning is 50-50 because you put $1,000 in. And the other guy's chance of winning is 50-50 because he put $1,000 in. So, and, and then one guy can jump in and put a dollar in, and he's got like a 0.01% chance of winning. So whatever dollar value of what he puts in, he's got a chance of winning. And, some, and these sites aggregate these bets, and they collect the bets, and they pay out the winners after taking commission. And they make so much money doing this because the, the, the numbers are staggering. So let me link you this video that shows Phantom Lord, which is a pretty well-known streamer, Showing off, uh, he's he's showing off a big win on here. Apparently, he wins twenty thousand dollars, and there are sites that will convert your skins to cash. So, Damn. even though you're winning skins, you can convert them to cash through third-party websites. CS:GO Diamonds example is a big one too. Yeah, I'm there right now. I'm browsing their site. I gotta say though, this site looks really nice. Like, and it's funny, CS:GO Diamonds isn't isn't even uh they don't even apparently they don't even use skins. You can just buy diamonds with with cash. So, look how insane this is, too. Like, how much... The, the sheer numbers are just insane. And, and the lawsuit itself actually has a pretty interesting point. It sums everything up in one paragraph. It says, in sum, Valve owns the league, because they own CSGO. They sell the casino chips, which are the skins. And, but here's where I think they're a little bit wrong. And receives a piece of the casino's income stream through foreign websites in order to maintain the charade, charade that Valve is not promoting and profiting from online gambling. They are profiting but i don't think they're promoting i they don't get a piece of the income stream so that part i think is incorrect well i think they're referring to this steam has their own marketplace and if you buy and sell on the marketplace uh which they i got a cut and I, I assume a, a good number of transactions still happen there daily oh yeah yeah so maybe that's what they're referring but, to but are they buying directly with the marketplace just to use on the website i think they're, are they just opening keys no i mean you don't want to just open keys because then you don't know what you're going to get Right? Yeah, but people that are using the the market to gamble are, are the ones that want to gamble anyway. They're probably opening, they're probably the ones opening the chest to get more gambling, you know? They, if they want to use the skins for gambling, might as well gamble twice uh, and open the lockboxes too. Uh, but if you gamble twice, you're just diminishing your potential return because you're getting hit twice. Or or potential doubling it because you get a really good skin <laughs> to get to bet more. Now there's know? a gambler talking. Uh, uh, either, either way, either way. But I think that's what they're referring to when they say they're getting a but cut. But do you, think, do you think this 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 lawsuit has any merit? You know? Let's all put on our... Uh, Esquire outfits and our wigs, and now we're 
We're all judge. We're, we're well, all lawyers my, today. My internet lawyer, uh, my internet lawyer book out. Hold on, lawontheinternet.com. One sec. I, I read <laughs> Wikipedia. I read Wikipedia. It makes me a lawyer, right? It's perfect. All right, where do you all stand, Matt? Matt's Matt's gone. Matt's all gone. Right, I'll go first. I'll go first. All right. Go. When I was a kid. All right. When I was a kid. Oh, here we go, old man. Do you know what? Do you know what a Counter Strike was? This is what Counter Strike looked like when I was a kid, guys. Ready? You got some yeah. guns. You got some uh, blocky, blocky animations, and you just shoot each other, right? Okay. So today, this is what it looks like. There's some like pie <laughs> charts. There's some roulette wheels. There's there's purple knives <laughs> that are worth eight hundred dollars for some reason. <laughs> that purple knife is like, is mad well, sweet though. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's mad sweet. It's eight hundred dollars, mad sweet. I don't know. I don't Who like pays it. Pays for that stuff. Like, oh my god. Somebody. When I played Counter-Strike, I didn't even think about the skin. I'm playing to play the game. So, if this, CSGO, if this lawsuit was successful, I don't understand what the repercussions would be. I mean, I am an internet lawyer, but I normally have a, um, a paralegal to do this, the hard work for me. Of course. Uh, of course. Um, do you think Valve would have to shut down their whole operation here? Or, like, how else would they prevent Very easy. people from gambling you can't trade. Alone? You can't trade skins. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I mean. So yeah. they would have to shut down the entire trade yeah. side of CSGO. No, they don't. They don't have to shut down. They would have shut down the API system where bots can just do it all for them, you know? Or just everyone has to unlock their own skins. That's even easier. I think well, that's, that's what, the way they would go. That's what Overwatch is doing with the... You not just Overwatch. Do you guys remember? Uh, Blizzard learned their lesson the hard way. Don't forget. When Diablo 3 came out, it had, it oh, had a real did. money a real money auction house. And I remember thinking yeah. at the time, there's no way this is not going to promote hacking, uh, botting exploiting and i remember friends yeah, i had friends who would just have bots farming like the there was this one chest at the beginning of this one dungeon it was like they would drop some gold right so they would run in bots like multiple bots that would just keep making that one room over and over again just to yeah. loot those that, that one chest yeah. and then they would just sell the gold uh for cash and it was so obvious that was going to happen like and then you know what blizzard did like f this no more trading no no more real money <laughs> no more real money without blocking the trading i think if you just prevent bots from accessing the steam api from hand because it's all handled by bots in fact they're collecting the bets and everything and you could still have one-on-one trading you'd have the marketplace like i think it would work fine or if, uh, I, if they did what if you stopped trading and only allowed trading through the marketplace with cash that could work it would prevent what's going on now like you, i think you could prevent this without destroying i think system. if blizzard couldn't pull it off uh with their manpower i don't think valve with their current employee count has the manpower to police Gabe, if anyone can do it, guys, no, Gabe can no, do because it, right? if you get rid of the API, Blizzard three, right? Didn't you say Blizzard's got the D team? That means the A team is over at Valve, right? No, no, no. Wow has the D team. Okay, okay. <laughs> See, I'm sure D three had the A team when it was coming out. No, D three had the D team because it's D in it, right? Come on. Ooh, ooh, ouch. ouch. Where's a bell for the bad jokes? <laughs> also, I think I think as they get sued more and more and they get more into more into more trouble. Uh, they're gonna realize it's a big liability, the trading of the skins. So they're gonna Absolutely. lock it. No, you can't say. Everybody knows it's a big. Okay, look, remember, two over two billion dollars was wagered on esports in 2015 alone. It's already a ginormous market. It's one yeah. thing to it's one thing to wager with money. It's another thing to use their system to circumvent uh, the gambling restrictions, right? So I think Blizzard's gonna. Real, I mean, Valve is gonna realize it's just not worth it for them. This this headache. Uh, as soon as the regulators and lawsuits start. I'm gonna have to agree with Erhan on this one. I would love to see the people just gamble. Just go ahead, just gamble away everything you want. I don't care, but not not in not with uh, our level of freedom. So I think uh, exactly what's gonna happen. 
trying to find what is the biggest CSGO roulette website. There's a whole bunch of them. But uh, if you look on those sites, they tell you how many bets have been wagered. Like in any given day, they wager like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So like this isn't like small time. Like by the time Blizzard acted on Diablo 3, the mar- there was a market, right? No doubt. But it was tiny. What they have today in the ecosystem of, e-sport- of esports betting and uh, esports gambling, roulette gambling for CSGO and stuff, the market is enormous. So I know you're showing off the video right now. You see Phantom mm-hmm. Lord is playing um, uh, on there. $10,000 is thrown to the pool at that moment. And you can see everything on the left side there too. And somebody jumps in and throws another 10000 to go 50-50 with him. Wow. So you, you can see what his odds of winning are. It's right above Matt's uh, little circle. It's above the Matt's circle. Is... Oh, I, I see, see this. Right now it's 99% <laughs> for him. Yeah, because he put a lot of money in. And then, but you'll see that somebody <laughs> jumps in and you know it's going to make it a lot less. People are joining in. Anybody, anybody can throw money to that pool. All right, 51% now. Did he win? How, how does it tell you if he won or not? Well, you can see by his reaction, too. Oh, I guess he did win. He's jumping over there. But, yeah, it's crazy that there's there's $20,000 in a single pool of CSGO shuffle. I mean, we don't encourage using these gambling websites, but it's what's crazy is this is clearly aimed at minors, too, which is one of the pillars of the lawsuit, too. Like, miners are going to be gambling with CSGO skins. And they're going right. to be buying skins just to gamble with them. Isn't it funny how quickly something like it's innocuous is trading, like, gun skins turned into just, like, this elaborate gambling, like, system? I really, think it's great. Really tells you something about the human capacity. Like, this, this it, gambling must be very instinctual. That's, that's what this shows me. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I do think this lawsuit could signal a, uh, a crackdown. But do you think Blizzard? Do you think, do you think Valve will walk away from this? What do you mean walk yeah, away? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're gonna shut all this down. No more trading. You think yeah, so? Yeah, Valve's yeah. gonna be just fine. Yeah, of course. But why have they done it? Yeah, it's so obvious it's been an issue for a while. Because no one sued them yet. That's why it wasn't an issue until now. Funny. I don't. I don't think Valve consciously was like, "Let's keep, let's keep the gambling stuff up because we're making all this money." Yeah, they're they're they're, they're working on VR. They're working on they don't, Steam. They don't they're, they're doing Steam sales. Yeah, yeah. They're not even thinking about this stuff. But now that now that it's brought to their attention, but and it was media, they it's always like knew about, about it. Though. Come on, they always had to know yeah, about so it. So what? But it wasn't an issue until now. Yeah, who's like, knew it's about it? It's like the little leak in the bathroom. You know about it. It's there. It wasn't uh, a little yeah. leak. It was a two billion dollar industry. But it wasn't affecting them. Yeah, it didn't make the floor. It didn't. There was no crack in the ceiling until some guy decided to to issue a uh, to to try and you know, have a lawsuit. So yeah, yeah, health warning. The health inspector came in town. Yeah, the health. <laughs> so now now they now it's now it's in their face. And Gabe is probably like, all right, end this shit. Let's go pick it yeah, up. Yep, yep, yep. But I, I I mean that I understand it wasn't a big part of their uh, like it wasn't a part of their business, right? But you would think a company would address this earlier on, like. I feel like most companies, when they see like all these kids gambling, I'm sure they got complaints from like parents. And, like, really? It it's two point three sure. billion dollars. I'm like ninety percent sure that they knew and were intentionally profiting off of y- it. Yes, no. they, they had to have known. No, I don't, I think, don't so. think that they were intentionally profiting. They think knew, and they willfully chose not to fix this. My no, guess. But, but what what about the Diablo three thing with Blizzard? Right, Blizzard makes so much money, but they they couldn't see ahead when they first released the game how awful there are real money you know, market would be. But then as soon as they realized it, they shut it down. So I don't think they know ahead of time. Like, I, I don't Look, think it's conscious. How can you argue that they don't know about this? Like, literally, remember, $2.3 billion was just wagered on esports in 2015. Not just forget that okay. number. There's equally amount of money gambling on these websites. But I think that, that, if Valve wins this suit, though, they're not going to be shutting down 
what's going on right now with the gambling. I, I just I don't think they're going to. I think the only way they're going to shut it down is if they lose money on it. Well, or the potential of losing money with the with more losses. They've already got the potential of losing money just from having a suit. And that Bloomberg that Bloomberg piece came out in um, like a couple months ago, I believe, right? So mm -hmm. clearly, they if they, even if they don't read Bloomberg, no, right? But, they never came to their desk. Okay, forget that. Forget that. They got a lawsuit a couple days ago. Like, why is it still happening? All these websites are still up. They can fix it overnight. Well, they but will. Now, yeah. now they're weighing their options. Should we even bother turning it off? Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think they're gonna turn it off. Also, at least not, uh, not right away. Okay. Also, esports. Uh, this, this is not betting on esports. This is just straight up gambling. So don't don't okay. don't don't bring up that esports betting is part of this. Fine. This you're is, right. Yeah. This this is not the same. But yeah. this, the market no, for this is huge. There are people betting on esports with these. That's part of the problem. No, no, no. I know, I know. There are, but, but that this, that is not the whole example, market. Yeah. The, the roulette thing. wheels are not that. Well, we're not using the roulette wheels exclusively because that's not what he's getting sued for exclusively, or they're getting sued for exclusively. Yeah. But this part is indefensible. That's my point. But, but hold on. The, the, what, 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 are you really arguing that they don't know? You think Gabe doesn't no, know? No, I didn't you say think, they don't know. I don't think anyone all the top brass. Let's be clear knows. for a second. No one said they didn't know. Okay. They just said they didn't. They weren't consciously. They don't care about it. They don't care about it. It's like it's like it's like it's it's like our kitchen no more. It's dirty, but you don't care. You don't even notice it. <laughs> right? Like it's it's dirty. It's disgusting, but it's not it's not an issue. <laughs> no, it's like that. These guys care about their reputation, and and I think they made a conscious decision. Let's keep it going. They, they, they didn't go into it thinking, let's hope these guys make these gambling sites and create a big business. Who they knows? Maybe they did. I think they just created an open API and they said, look, let, where the, let the dice fall where they may. Let's see what, what the community creates. We're not going to Exactly. Police, right? And then as soon as there's a problem, they're going to ratchet back. But there is, when they saw what was happening, they chose not to address it. Right. Because, because they didn't care. Money off it. No, because they're making money off it. Not because they don't care. This is this is not a small issue. This is literally like, like millions of people participating in this. Okay, guys, I don't trust that there's anything that Valve does that isn't inspired by money because remember the entire reason Greenlight exists is because they didn't want to pay extra people to sort through games. Yeah, that's legitimately why Greenlight exists. They wanted the community to do it so they didn't have to pay people. Well, exactly. So they're not they're not making conscious decisions. Is my point. Just on they made a conscious people. decision to put their store's Look. fate in the hands of the community so that they could save money. I think they made a no, conscious no, that's saving. Well, they don't want to hire people, and exactly, they, and they don't want to hire people to deal with this gambling but stuff. But this this came to their desk. This came to Gabe's desk. It came to all, everyone. Everyone at Valve knows about it. It came to their desk, and they said, "Look, we're not going to do anything about it." But we'll see. We'll see what goes from here. Uh, now that it's actually. Uh, they knew about it before, now it's on the table, I guess. Alright, yeah. th this is going in a circle. So, new interesting shit of the week. Uh, Chronicles of Illyria, we're just talking about this briefly, have put out news that they are going to have not one, but three prologues in leading up to the game's release before pre-alpha. And the whole thing with this is that the first one is going to be an offline single-player er, ah, offline single-player experience that is basically going to be the demo that they've talked about in the past. And it is going to test parts of the client. And what they're going to have in it is the UI system, characters and creation, inventory and equipment, world interaction, locomotion, identity, survival and resting, life cycle, skills and crafting, combat, NPC interaction, and AI, ecology, and crime and punishment. Now, here's my question. If this is an offline single-player demo and they want to test the client, why did they spend time putting the stuff that's going to be on the server, like AI and stuff like that, in the single-player part? Who knows? Moving on. Uh, you're a little faster, bro. 
Yes, because I want to get through this quickly. Uh, right, so go, 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 keep going, keep uh, I know, but you, you can argue that they put the AI stuff there to encourage people to play through the single player so they get the better test of the online content. Maybe, but it's not going to be implemented the same way as the online content. Anyways, oh, no, it'll be different, obviously. Then they're going to have Kingdoms of Illyria, which is going to be... I don't even fucking know what this is. I've, I've read this like three times now, and I still don't know what it is. It is going to be a web-based game that's... A web-based portal, I'm sorry, that has allows players to play the Dance of Dynasties. They don't have a full feature set yet, but they'll be players will be able to form and change alliances, declare wars, fight for shared resources, and even invest in research. But how? How? Is this coming back into the original prologue demo or what? I don't understand. What? Like... What's it called again? Kingdom of what? Kingdoms of Illyria. I'm like 90% sure it's going to be a browser MMORTS. I just... I, I can't tell for sure. It's to test some of the back-end databases, political systems, and other game mechanics. And I'm just confused. It's very, very confusing. I think it just... It, it's kind of like just a little teaser games as, as they're working on the main thing. On the main one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah, not going to hold it against them, to be honest. I'm just confused. I don't know what it is or why they're going to do it. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just they're saying it's going to test stuff, but they're making... They're, okay, but this sounds naive as fuck, okay? So right about now, you're probably thinking to yourself, this all sounds great, but won't this extend the timeline and make it longer until... Make it take longer until Chronicles of Illyria is complete? The answer is no. The reason that is is because aside from the web front end, go, the work going towards Kingdoms of Illyria is work that needs to be done for Chronicles of Illyria anyways. That is naive as fuck. It is going to take longer. Do you know what this reminds me of? This is basically what... Star Citizen did with the hangar. No, it's, it's exactly what Star Citizen yeah, did. Yeah, so it's just, it's it just... Was like one hundredth of the budget. Yeah, yeah, that's what this is. So <laughs> it's and so then... weird that they they they, they all do that. They're, it's just why can't this focus on the one objective? I don't know, and like the whole thing is okay. So like Kingdoms of Illyria is going to help create some of the backstory for what they call where is it? Let me find it. Uh, I think it was immediate history. I can't find exactly where, where they put it, but they're gonna how, let players kind of like play out the immediate history and exactly what they do in the game is gonna be reflected historically in Chronicles of Illyria, which feels a little pointless because the whole point is they're supposed to have created a world that people are going to be playing in and the political stuff is supposed to be established and then it's supposed to be formed, I guess. But I guess they didn't want to do that. I, I don't know. Do but you that's, think... that still okay. begs the question of like, how is this going to affect it if it's going to have like a limited feature set? You know, it's just going to be a few political things that they could have done anyways. Anyways, what were you saying? Uh, let's take it back, guys. Do you think, do you think uh, Derek Smart is going to jump on the Chronicles of Valyria bandwagon? No. no. He has nothing invested in it. He, no, he, he, he likes he likes being loud and bitching. Right? No, but, the, but the, no, I I don't think he will because the Star Citizen is a really big target, right? Like the guys, yeah. the guys, you I know. Think, um, this 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 is like the this is like a. The, you, you can throw stones at the big guy, right? But don't kick the little guy. There's a rumor that Derek Smart is only doing it because he hates Chris Roberts, but that's neither here nor well, there. He obviously has some kind of vendetta uh, based on his actions. Like nobody else is that obsessed. But and then. Wait, there's a third one. It's going to be Illyria Mud. They were talking with Improbable on ways in which they could expose the back-end mechanics of the game for early testing in the form of a text-based role-playing game. Why did they do this? I don't know. They have to create an entire text-based client that responds to it correctly now. Or, if they don't do that, they don't make their own. 
they have to make the back end, the exact same back end, work in a text setting. You know? Like, they have to take the back end and make it respond to text rather than key inputs, which takes a lot of work. I, I, and they're trying to drip people some not some little content here, like crumbs. I feel like it's offending you a little too much. <laughs> it's just... Okay, um, it's just the way they're writing it. Like, it's not going to take any time, and it's not going to affect the backers or anything. It's going to affect the backers. It's going to let, take time. Let them do them, you know? It's, it's a small project. Let them develop it the way they want. I mean, I it's think not it's not a small project. Time. One million is not a small project. Yes. For an MMORPG? Yes, it is. yes. It's a tiny project. Not even small. But, tiny. Um, yeah, the mud is going to be, like, okay, it's... They're saying, aside from the time on the MUD interface and the time spent building out some of the textual elements of the world, all the mechanics are things we're developing and testing anyways. I'm just like, okay. Do you know what I'm hearing? I think the COE team just wants to talk some shit. <laughs> Kobe, don't throw that down again. <laughs> Not but again, anyways, Kobe. basically, it's going to... The way they're reading it... Like saying it right, it's Kingdom of Valyria is going to hook into Illyria mud and vice versa. So if a kingdom in KOE declares war on your kingdom, it, the NPCs in Illyria mud will be talking about it. And if you kill a noble in Illyria mud, it'll be reflected in the web game, stuff like that. So I think, I think, I, I'm not sure. The way they say it isn't really clear. Uh, Illyria mud is basically going to work like a basic form of Chronicles of Illyria. It's basically going to be the same thing in a similar mud. Form. How can it be the same thing? It's, it's going to be the same thing in a simpler form. Alright, well, uh, we are out of time, boys. So, no more Chronicles of Mud. Oh, uh, that's how we're ending? <laughs> I no, we're not ending like that. I gotta throw one more thing. What? Alright, take a look at that. Uh, my, my interesting shit of the week that I think is pretty cool. You already brought oh, one nice. up. No more. You can't bring up more shits of the week. Oh, no, this is the last one. One more. It's okay. Right. It's okay. Right, you can have yours then, alright? You can have yours. What is this? What did you link me right. here? You didn't take it. I granted it to you. He granted it to me, but I kind of <laughs> took it. I kind of took it. <laughs> uh, it's actually an event for Blade and Soul. And it's not really the event itself, but I kind of wish other games did stuff like this. It's a costume design contest. So they're accepting uh, artists to submit their own costumes for the game. And the winner will be chosen by the developers and they're going implement, implement it into the game. It That's seems like a really awesome. cheap. It seems like a cheap way to outsource your art design, but also like a really cool way to engage your community. Yeah, why not? Why so do you just submit like a drawing, or do you submit like actual like graphic art? I think a drawing. Oh, that's easy then. That's how that opens it up to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, obviously you still have to be something, some kind of artist to do it, but it's pretty cool to doing. And I, I want to see other games, you know, take user feedback like this, like user content, because it feel it makes people feel more engaged with the game, Absolutely. especially on a big budget title like. Yeah. Imagine if League did this or like Dota. Well, Dota already has their good system for it, which is great with the Steam Workshop. But other games should do this. Yeah. Is Why there not? anywhere so. we can see submissions? No, right? Uh, so. Probably not yet. I mean, as they come in, I'm sure they'll put them out there. Some other games actually do do that. It's just not very often, and it's mm. usually for small stuff. Like, there are a lot of things in Trove that were sourced by the community. There was so a lot of stuff. Basically, every item, you could put it on and trove and you could look at like who made it it had the username listed there all right i think you should click the link i just showed it just shows the winners from last year yeah uh and they they do look pretty cool i gotta say rev actually said omer should enter with his art i think so too i mean i bring i bring my a game when i when i bust out my paint art i think i can Wait, really this does look good though this black entries? and blue yeah i like are that these, are these the original entries or are these the ones they did they're your blade and soul team no, this is the one that won uh, last year, the one I like. Yeah, this is no, from last year. 
No, I'm saying, is this the original entry, or is this the one that they drew up themselves? What do you... I don't know. Oh, I see what you're saying. That I don't know. That I don't know. I imagine they I drew this themselves, because yeah, of all the... Yeah, if you scroll the, uh... down, where you, I think you can see the entries, maybe. I think the, the top of the 3D modeling was uh, done by them, I think. Those are two completely different outfits. I really doubt that. Yeah, those are two a different outfits. <laughs> <laughs> you guys seem confused. Regardless, I think, I think it's a really cool system, and I'd I like to see more games do this. I mean, I'm not going to buy the costumes, but I feel like it's just nice when it engages the community. Agreed. All right, boys. That's it. Out of time. Cutting you off. All right. Wow. The All Time right. Master has spoken. Uh, that's it for spoken. this week. Uh, we can keep talking in the overtime. So if you're watching on YouTube, check us out live on Twitch next time. And uh, fare thee well. Later, guys. All right. See you guys later. Peace.